0: this week on buckets boards and blocks i am having a friend who is near and dear on he is one of the most talented comedians hosts just all-around talents out there doing his thing in new york he does a show called hype school on snapchat and instagram and he works with our friends over at overtime i'm gonna let you know who he is you get to watch him this week coming up in a little bit but first darlene it's all you girl buckets boards and blocks is a presentation of pure hoops media Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you so much, my dear Darlene. You are just tremendous at your job. All right. Today's guest is my guy, Mm -hmm kyle Pennett, he is the host of hype school i don't know if that sounds like him but anyway (laughs) hype school on snapchat and instagram um kyle is a comedian who uses his sense of humor to spice up everything you definitely can see that in hype school um it's a part of the overtime empire kyle welcome thank you (laughs) i'm so pumped to have you all right so we're gonna jump into you as a comedian, you as the host of Hype School. Uh-oh. But I just want to share my little first story of when I met Kyle.
1: Let's talk about it.
0: I was coming to do Hype School myself and what's your homegirl that's a fire comedian in the area? Von
1: DeCarlo. Von
0: DeCarlo. She's so fun.
1: Funny. She's funny hilarious. woman. If you get a chance to see her show, go see her uh, fiancé of the late, great Patrice O'Neill.
0: Oh, didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Von is great. Chloe Pavlik. Overtime Chloe was also there. We're doing this Overtime shoot and we're working with our producer. Uh Travis was there that day and Ugo was there, I think yeah. right? Yeah. And I just remember being like is this the right host? Like is this Kyle that's super hype on hype school because you are so low key in, in person, person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm two different people.
0: What's that about? Is that just the necessity of the business?
1: Uh because you don't I'm not like when I'm having fun with my friends that's when I'm my most animated, my most energetic and like coming into stand up when I was like when I was thinking of performing for the first time, I had to ask myself, when am I the most funniest and then try to emulate that and give somewhat of a performance so it's not just a guy saying words. Okay. And so that's where it comes in. Like, I try to keep the energy of when something's really funny and then everybody just starts teaming up, teaming up, teaming up, teaming up, and your whole crew is, it's like... cracking up like That's the energy I want to embody whenever I actually perform.
0: All right, so how did you come to hype school? How did that happen?
1: Pff, man, that's so weird. <laughs> like, people ask me, like, how do you be successful in social media? I still don't know, honestly. What happened for me is I was... Uh, I was working for the government. Shout out to and government employment. And then I decided I no longer want to work for the government. I had a good job. I was graduating school, about to enter law school, and I just quit everything. And I moved away from my college without finishing. I had six credits left. And then I just started doing stand-up. And then this girl I know who I went to high school with named Ugo, she uh, <laughs> she interviewed with Overtime at a job fair for her master's program in NYU interviewed they didn't get the, she didn't get the job but they said do you know anybody funny <laughs> and so like she ended up recommending me to do this project that you can never see because mm-hmm. it's been taken down <laughs> for so many reasons <laughs> but you'll never see it i did it with uh buster sure it's called take that l and from there we just kept doing more things like i've done a bunch of different pilots with overtime but that's the one that like is a money maker
0: Hype school, hype school, this is the money maker. Yeah. I'm um, speaking of overtime pilots. Hopefully, I, w- I know I don't know how much we can say about this, but the summer throne was something that you used your talents to host this summer in Vegas. Yeah. Which was wild. I do want to add, and in one particular challenge, I could have strangled you because I didn't appreciate you. Could have strangled me. Your ill-timed funnies when I'm trying to get out of the super stupid challenge. But anyway, I don't want to give it away. All right, so. Let's just give a little bit more love to Ugo, because that's my girl. Mm-hmm. And y'all go way back, and clearly she's opened some major doors. have known her since
1: out. I was, like, 14 or 15.
0: She's amazing. Yeah. That makes sense. While you guys sort of quarrel like siblings, then I get it.
1: Yeah, like, I talk to her like somebody I love and know for my entire life. So I'll be more wild with her than I will with anybody else um makes perfect sense all right so my producer bruce
0: bernstein is usually also my sidekick so i have to make sure that he's represented in this podcast and bruce spent years at espn working alongside Stuart scott Mm -hmm. um in his notes he -hmm. wants to know if that's someone that you've admired For, for bruce he thinks that your style is sort of like a new school version of what Stuart scott sort of embodied in terms of pushing the envelope and being fresh and energetic sports center Stuart scott familiar
1: Um, all right, here's the thing. So I don't, two things. I love talking about sports and I love making jokes, but I don't want to be a sports comedian. Stuart Scott wasn't a comedian, but he was like naturally funny and naturally engaging and naturally authentic. You know what I mean? Like there was no parts of him that I think he withheld from his audience. And so that's why so many people gravitate to him like years after his death. And I grew up in the era where he was the top ten countdown. Mm-hmm. Like Stewart Scott, Booyah, all that. Like when Stephen A. Smith was still covering AI, like, that was kind of the golden years of me getting into sports. Mm-hmm. And so that's a high compliment in my opinion.
0: Um, what are your sports loyalties? What uh your teams?
1: I have two loyalties, right? Okay. Uh the first loyalty is the Boston Celtics. What?
0: I'm surprised to hear that. Why? um, Why is that? Okay, you got to tell me why. Continue.
1: I'm. I fell in love with this with the Celtics on some bullshit. I I don't (laughs) know. Let me not curse. I fell in love with safe space. You're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's bullshit. The reason why (laughs) is because I don't know if you guys remember. Like NBA Live back in the day used to let you customize any player, any team, and you could make all the trades you wanted. And so because I could put all my favorite players on a team and then have a random person who doesn't exist who's level 99, I just picked the team with the best colors when I was eight, and it was the Celtics. Green and white. My favorite color at the time. And so now, like, I just kept... That was my team and it's become my team and I follow them and I love them and I lucked up into a great franchise because I could easily love the Cavaliers. You or the Wizards. Or the Clippers. Like <laughs> you, you could well, the Clippers are kinda cool now. now right?
0: I get it. Um, all right, so let's talk about this love for the Boston Celtics that are uh-huh. actually a really good franchise. Where are you on Kyrie?
1: I'm glad he's gone. Honestly, I remember the day that we got Kyrie, I literally <laughs> was in my apartment and I dropped everything and I did a lap. I was so happy that Kyrie was coming to the Celtics, and then the season happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At what point did you say
1: abort? I don't know, probably around the All-Star break. It's like once you realize we're nowhere near as good as we were when we like dominated the Eastern Conference, and the only major difference is we have Kyrie. Like It's supposed to be Kyrie's back, Hayward's back. We're about to run the board in the East obviously didn't happen
0: as we say in the washington metropolitan area aka the dmv thought it was (laughs) bummer you thought (laughs) you thought it was uh bruce is chiming in via text bruh Kyrie was a diva which you seem to agree with
1: uh not so much that i don't mind his personality it's just his play style is so ball dominant it didn't give a lot of space to the guys like tatum and brown who needed their space to shine even uh scary terry didn't scary get terry he didn't get what he should have gotten and i think that's the major reason we lost horford
0: all right so following your team one of the things that i felt like went under the radar last year was the role that brad stevens played or did not play in the lack of success we'll call it are you a players make it happen sort of guy are you looking at a head coach where did you assess and place responsibility and blame in these conversations? All
1: right, so first, I think if you just look at the talent that they had, even the year before Kyrie, sorry. All good. Even the year before Kyrie, you can tell Brad Stevens is a brilliant coach. He knows his basketball, and he's able to get the most out of his players. In that particular situation, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Thank you for stating that. But that's only because he should have been like, hey, Kyrie, we got to limit what you're doing. I know this is how you're used to playing, but this is how you're going to. Almost like he should have took that Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. kiss my ass, this is mm-hmm. how we roll. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. And I think part of it is because like one player can change your entire franchise. Kyrie is a franchise player and he had a short contract. So you need you wanted to, you wanted to appeal to his uh, sense of re-signing with your team. So I don't fault him in that sense.
0: I guess. I'll give you that. But I'm glad to hear someone say something about the coach and not just the pieces on the floor. All right, so this season, we roll in. Mm-hmm. Gotta love my guy, Kimball Walker, true point guard. Yeah, Even from the time that we've seen him mic'd up in various games to this point in the season, definitely, He's I don't want to say polar opposites of Kyrie, but certainly a leader of men, and someone who seems to take a lot of pride in being able to galvanize You don't think Kyrie's a leader? Here's my thing on leadership, and this is something that I have studied like through my experience in sports. True leadership, the epitome mm-hmm. of leadership, is this idea of servitude, right? Like you, you have to serve those around you. I don't know that with that group, Kyrie mm-hmm. just setting the example was enough because in basketball, there's still one ball. Right? Like, I'm not... I wouldn't question his work ethic. I wouldn't question his intensity of the game or his skill ability. Hella talented. Never take that away from Kyrie. But in that space, like you said, with those young guys, Uh that had to be more about incorporating them into what we're doing and helping them grow, especially because, like you said, they just did it without you, bro, so what are we doing?
1: Yeah, but honestly... It's almost like they did it, but their style of play didn't fit his style of play. So it's almost like you're making orange juice with apples.
0: So I feel you on that, but it's still basketball. And so for me, if Kyrie was elite level of leadership, someone that Malcolm Gladwell would be writing about, he would have figured out a way to make it work. Because you can't argue that that group was not talented.
1: They were. They were supremely talented, but he was as selfish as they were talented. But I don't think that didn't make him a leader. That just... His, his style of play is like, I can make any shot. And so nine times out of 10, I want to take this. It's a better okay. shot than you who's making 30% of your shots. I'll
0: give you that. And I would, I would not call Kyrie not a leader. I just think Kemba and Kyrie are very different types of leaders.
1: True. Right?
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, definitely, Kyrie is the guy, follow my lead, like, give me the ball, we're going to win together, I'm going to carry you. Basically. Kemba, to me, is going to be like, this is your role, this is your role, when it comes down to crunch time, then come to me, but we all have a piece in this. Kyrie could care less about everybody pieces as long as he was handling his business.
1: But that's because Kyrie has that Kobe mentality.
0: And that's fine. Ky- Kobe's not high on my personal leader list either. I
1: hate Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Remember I said I had two loyalties? That's my second loyalty. Your hate to Kobe <laughs> I Martin? hate Kobe. And maybe a third would be the Lakers under Kobe because Kobe ascended the Lakers in terms of I remember I had a friend, my best friend in high school who lives in London, shout out Jamie Thompson. This dude was in love with Kobe so much, I invented the term cobosexual. <laughs> Because, like, he said he would rather meet Kobe, play one on one with Kobe, than like meet the girl of his dreams, get married to Beyonce, all these things. Like, and that's how Lakers fans are. They're the most annoying. I hate every, I hate everything about L. A. Kobe, is, sexual. like okay. the Lakers are horrible, and Kobe sexuals are the worst because you can't <laughs> speak logic to them. You,
0: I will agree with you on that. And my dear best friend, who does not live in London, but she's getting married next year, um, would be considered one of those Kobe folks. Just you, you're right. You literally can't talk about it.
1: To they many. never, and no, even with his Achilles snapped and rolling around <laughs> in the ball of his foot, they still said he was better than LeBron in that moment. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it with him.
0: Um, Wow that you know so Kobe fans are your least favorite well how do you feel about the Michael Jordan crew
1: Uh, I mean I'm on that but I don't think MJ is the greatest of all time uh oh but I'm in the minority of who I think the goat is tell me no one tell me you're teasing us now the real goat of basketball is Allen Iverson explain because of what he could do so it's like at six foot maybe Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe Mm -hmm. 150 pounds. Mm -hmm. He was able to average 30 points. He was able to be MVP. He was able to beat Kobe and Shaq, even if it was only one game, beat them in the finals with relatively nobody on his team.
0: That is a feat that probably is highly underrated. I agree with you. But our, so, your argument is predicated on the skill set and the natural abilities that one has?
1: It's that, but then it's also like the same influence that Michael Jordan had. Like in sneakers, no one could touch MJ in sneakers. Well, how about in overall fashion? You can't touch Alan Iris. The whole rule was changed yeah. because of AI. <laughs> you, you really can't mess with what this guy's done. Like his crossover is so dope, they had to outlaw it. Yeah. Right. Like it's like Shaq. It's like anytime you get something that's so dominant, eventually they make rules to make it fair for other people. Mm-hmm. You, you Georgetown. I don't yeah. even have that's
0: to. I, I was. I loved it. I'm with it. <laughs> Bring it. I'm here for it.
1: Iverson is the goat. I don't see anybody. If he was six eight, and still had his same skill set. Easily, there wouldn't be an argument because he'd be able to do everything Absolutely. Michael could do. He's gonna do the LeBron blocks with his athleticism. He's dunking over but everybody. I
0: will say, I think if he was six eight, that takes away from what we love, which is what. And that he was this guy who was supposed to be sort of counted out at each level. Whether you talk about his time in Virginia, getting to Georgetown, getting to the pros, like yeah. he wasn't supposed to achieve what he did. You could argue that Michael's path outside of the part in his speech where he mentions getting picked last or not chosen for his high school varsity team whatever
1: yeah varsity though you are still on a team that's what i'm saying you could
0: (laughs) argue that he was sort of groomed between his natural gifts and abilities going to a thoroughbred university in north carolina and then going to the nba whereas ai i mean he didn't win a title at georgetown at that point i mean that was the tail end of coach thompson's greatness sort of kind of and that was more part of his legacy because of what he went and rescued ai from
1: yeah
0: um, I love that though. That's actually all right. So let's. I, I didn't plan to take this here, but you're a smart guy, and I love having conversations with you. Do you think AI would get more credit if not for what some would argue, his checkered?
1: I don't. I don't think so, man. Cause honestly, I think that's like some old people stuff, like okay. old. There's only a select few people who really appreciate AI, and that's the people who are alive to see him play. It's like the people who appreciate what Grant Hill was, mm. most of them are only the people who saw him before the injury. Got it. And I think that's where Allen Iverson is. Like, if you're around to see him play, you don't question it, right? And then right. there's old people who are, ne- old people are always old-fashioned in that they're like, he doesn't act like Larry Bird. He's not Magic Johnson. Like, it's that type of person who's like, you're going to be forgotten anyways. So I'm not really caring about your opinions, right? Cause we're moving forward, like more people's mentalities. Now Kobe's mentality is way closer to Allen Iverson than it was to like a magic Johnson. Okay. His personality, the way he's like, I don't give a damn about you. He'll talk trash to anybody. That's more Allen Iverson. For sure. Everybody we love, like how we love the sound bites in the interviews. That's Allen Iverson. He's just himself when he comes to that podium. He's not hiding himself. He's not hiding his background. He's not hiding his influences. I couldn't even tell you the type of person Michael Jordan is, honestly. He likes to sell shoes. We know that. I know I he know, likes <laughs> shoes, cigars, and young white women. Also, I don't know anything oh else about Michael Jordan.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. I think that's a very good point. And you, I would agree with you that the guys that are most authentic are the ones that endear themselves to us, even if we love to hate him, right? Like, Because now I'm thinking, to your point, about who brings me Allen Iverson, a guy like Russell Westbrook, who yeah. isn't always light and fluffy with the media. Sometimes he's very gruff. Um, I think even, you could say, Joel Embiid, sort of, kind of. I don't know how much I buy this whole thing with Kat and him for real in real life, but whatever. Um, uh,
1: nah.
0: <laughs> nah. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. The athletes that are most authentic. Alright, so, doing it right now. Not your greatest of all time. Doing Um, it right now. Who are your top mm, top three, top five, what you got for me in the NBA right now? Your um, personal. I'm not saying, like, tell me who you rocking with. All
1: right. I'll give you my top. I'll give you my number one player who's not at his best right now is Chris Paul, my favorite player. Okay. I'm, I'm just a fan of short guys. Like, it, if you see a trend, like, Iverson, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Muggsy
0: Bowles on this list.
1: Nah, but Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. Like, I like, I'm in love with point guards because that's who I modeled myself after when I figured myself a basketball player back in the day. How
0: long was that? Did you get I buckets? mean,
1: I didn't, yeah, I stopped hooping, like, the same time I started doing stand-ups, like, four or five years oh, ago. Okay. I just stopped playing because I was like, well, I got to devote myself to something. <laughs> Why am I in the gym if I'm not going pro at this? This thing I can actually be good at and make money off of. All right. But, all right, so my top five in the league right now. Chris Paul. No, nah, no, nah, I'm just no. telling you, he's my favorite. Okay, favorite, so, top five. Every I- list, I want to put him above everybody, but okay. Chris Paul excluded. Okay. Uh, right now, I got to put Westbrook. Uh, Jason Tatum's sneaky good, man. I believe in him, but he's not there yet. I'm going to leave him off my list, but I just honorable mention, Jason Tatum. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant, even though he's injured. Steph Curry.
0: I'm surprised by that from you, but go ahead.
1: Steph? Yeah. What well what is all right, let me let me finish and okay, then I'll yeah. let you I'm I'm at four right yep. now. And number five, my fifth best player might be Giannis.
0: All right. That's a solid list. Definitely what you want, Russ, Giannis. Maybe. Holy,
1: and wait, above what? everybody. Sorry, we're throwing Giannis off that list. Okay. Number Bye, one, Giannis. LeBron James. I'm sorry. I'm, I am apologize, King. I <laughs> didn't mean it, but you play for the Lakers. <laughs> oh, what does that do to your heart? This is what it's like, right? <laughs> so, like, to give you an analogy, I'm blessed enough to be alive long enough. To, like, I'm young enough to see Jordan play for the Wizards, but I'm too young because that's all I remember. Like, I don't really remember the the, the Bulls links, days. The I was alive, card. but I don't mm-hmm. remember it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The Wizards is all I remember, which is... <laughs> oh, God. It's about as equal as being alive and only remembering, like, Jesus' execution. You just remember the <laughs> worst part of it, even though you were alive throughout. And so that's how I feel about LeBron right now. It's like, if I die today, my last memories are going to be, like, him on as the cross right now. Like, <laughs> then just... it's it's disgusting to but see. you were
0: you you were there for peak lebron going back to
1: cleveland in the the two three two in miami three nah. it's almost like it's like every time i turn on the screen it's like i'm watching somebody throw up into a butthole like it's just it, i'm <laughs> physically analogies. i'm physically disgusted watching one of my favorite people when chris paul and when that trade got blocked I celebrated. It. <laughs> like, it almost ruined my life. <laughs> I can't because I always I root for LeBron, but now it's like it's so hard to love LeBron. So
0: I guess you were doubled over in pain when Kobe gave LeBron mad love on the sideline the other night.
1: I mean, he's a sexual, though. That's the <laughs> thing. Like I knew that about LeBron. He was always that. He was as much as people call him the king. He was always bowing down and showing deference to Kobe throughout his tenure in the league mm. with LeBron.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right, so let's get into this five. Bruce is chiming in. No Harden on your list?
1: No, nah, even though he's scoring like around, damn near, 40 Ex- every yeah. game. And I, it seems blasphemous, but you got to play defense.
0: So here's my thing on Harden. I'm with you. I'm like, all right, dude can score lights out. But I will say I'm looking at it with a new lens, hearing Russell Westbrook talk about it. Because if Russ is deferring and saying how incredible this dude is, and we know what Russ is capable of, I'm listening with a different ear. But
1: that's the part that makes it... When was the last time you talked about Russell Westbrook? He was a perennial MVP, MVP candidate. Yeah, MVP. And now he's taking such a backseat to Harden's 30 points or well, 33. I think,
0: but it's November. Yeah. Almost December. I think Russ will be... N- Mm, I d- never. He won't drive anymore, but he'll definitely be passenger seat with the GPS and the aux court come playoff time.
1: Because James hasn't been able to do it alone. But he shouldn't be there. He's nobody, Scotty Pippen. If anything, he showed that with Kevin Durant. But
0: in this league, we're not dealing with Scottie Pippen. Everybody has to go team up. Are you? I mean, are you saying Paul George's? He's Scottie. Kawhi's guy. Yeah, he's. Scottie. Well, that's. I mean, he seems to have a Scotty personality, but. <laughs> I think at this point for Russ and James, it's about getting to
1: the next level of their career and winning a championship. Yeah, but also, it just doesn't seem like the Westbrook I know. And if you're getting. But uh, this is.
0: So this goes back to the conversation about being a leader, right? And uh-huh. this is a different form of leadership, but it takes those chameleon like qualities. I feel you, 100%. But it's almost adapt or die. Like these bombers trying to get to a title.
1: But I don't think that's. All right, so one, in, in Dantoni's crazy way of playing, Harden is everything he dreamed Carmelo would be, right? You're going to shoot nonstop and make a good clip of what you're putting up. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it's at the expense of Mr. Triple Double. Like when you're just, he takes like 12 dribbles before his step back. There's so much time just being chewed off the clock that is not a lot to go around when you want everybody to get off individually, which the Rockets are built to have role player, role player, role player, role player, James Harden. But in this instance, Russell Westbrook is not a role player. He's supposed to show up like Tyson in the Terry Cloth, punch you in the mouth, <laughs> put on some skinny jeans, and put in a blouse, and then just walk off into the sunset.
0: <laughs> I, yes, but I think you have to separate what we know into what is right like this is growth to me this is a tremendous degree of growth and I don't know I mean I don't even know the length of Russell's deal in Houston I wouldn't be surprised if that's not his last stop but if this is what it takes to get to a title like that's where we are
1: well, I don't think they're gonna do it they're not better than the Clippers they're not better than the
0: Clippers they can get to a Western Conference title
1: maybe I, I mean if they I honestly I think it's gonna be like a Staples Center Conference finals but if it's not I could see them there yeah or maybe the Nuggets one of them
0: I love the Nuggets the Nuggets make me really excited about the future. I also am a big fan of the Jazz, though. They make me really excited about the future, too. All right, you mentioned Carmelo Anthony. He's going to Portland. Are you a Carmelo guy? I love Melo. Yeah. I did, too. I like loved him at Syracuse. Like, almost would have gone to Syracuse. Because of him? Because of him. But he was gone you already. You wouldn't even be playing for the same coach. <laughs> it's, it's true. But I was so in love with Melo. Like, I was the ball girl at a game. When he, th- he came to play Georgetown, and it was like, oh my God.
1: And some of his little right braid there. sweat hit you on the cheek. <laughs>
0: I kept that shirt. it like, <laughs> was like, mom, I was right there. But anyway, um, okay, he's going to Portland. What do you Uh-oh. think? What thoughts?
1: Honestly, I'm just glad he's somewhere because it didn't make sense. Like, it's so disrespectful to have Carmelo it's Anthony. almost like he
0: kneeled for the national anthem or something. <laughs> Honestly,
1: <laughs> it's messed up. Like, to think Antonio Brown. His entire situation, like just because you brought it up, the fact that Antonio Brown was accused of rape and catching passes three days later and Melo was still on the sidelines. <laughs> Couldn't even practice with Team USA. Still on the sidelines, So what man. does it
0: say? The way, through the lens of Kyle Pennant, what does that say about the NBA?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I, the only thing, the only parallels I've drawn, like because this happened to Melo, this next thing happened, is that's why we're seeing LeBron go off. Melo is like the first one of his superstar friends to just be ousted before his time, and LeBron's like, "Well, that could happen to me, like via injury or something." And so now I gotta go off. Hashtag washed king. Revenge season, right? <laughs> like he said, like I'm giving the reins to Antonio Davis. 80 is gonna take off. We're focused on the Brown or the Brow this year, right? But then that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing LeBron drop 30, leading the league in assists every night, every night, every night. What is it uh, uh, and then Antonio challenged him to renew his commitment on defense and he's like stepped up to that. So what we're seeing is I think the fear of becoming Carmelo led LeBron that's my conspiracy theory. I mean Father time Mother time, whichever you prefer is undefeated for all of us because Melo never did anything like he never pulled a gun in the locker room like <laughs> I don't, I, don't have, <laughs> <arenas>. <laughs> I have no reason to believe there was a there's a logical reason to keep him off your team it just don't make sense to me
0: that's a, i think it's more of a commentary on like fit and style of play
1: mm. I, but i agree i mean in today's style of play and Melo money. Was,
0: could you i mean mellow didn't exactly help himself because he was not willing to come off the bench and then he finally resigned to doing that yeah and he wasn't he wasn't looking for like a vet minimum in fact uh one of our sources we'll call them in the city um he's, he's been working out preparing to join the portland we're taping this pod on a monday or on tuesday preparing to join Portland today. He's like, the dude is not out here after a swan song. Like, this is not it for him. Exactly, He doesn't feel like he should have been out the league in the first place. But, again, same thing we've seen with bigs that can't shoot or stretch the floor. You got to adapt or die. His days of being the guy, I don't know that he has the ability to give us what we're seeing out of a rejuvenated and refreshed LeBron, even though he arguably sat out the same amount of time as LeBron with the injury.
1: All right, here's my argument to that. So, Melo, in his time in the league, even before Steph Curry revolutionized this pace and jacking up threes no matter what, which everybody's on right now, except Giannis. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Melo was the guy who was already built to do that. He was, like, in year three, shooting with three seconds Mello off the clock. Melo was a
0: mid-range king, though.
1: Yeah, his mid-range is... And still, I don't think there's any reason to change that, because if you could put Westbrook and D'Antoni's system and him not give away, I'm just listening. I can hear this all in my – just open it. I know. I was trying to be – You're opening the bag of chips in class right now.
0: My bad. Go ahead. I just, I'm addicted to these things. It's the holidays. Like, whatever. Okay.
1: Good. All right. We're done. But, yeah, so the fact that he could do that means with all the injuries Golden State's had this season, why wouldn't he fit in there? Why wouldn't you pick him up for a season? Try to make it to the playoffs. See if you can get.
0: I don't know if it's that simple. That's what I'm saying. Is it the is it the money side of it?
1: But I don't. Melo said he's as far as I know. I watched that interview he did with Stephen A. and he was basically like, "I'm willing to bend." That was the whole mm. theme of that interview. Is like, if you he's want really me to do this. in that interview. I mean, honestly, I I know that's not how he's talking to Lala. <laughs> I hope that they're still talking. I mean, he posted something about. I think they're still married. I'll, I don't know. (laughs) You're in New York, Kyle. Get your sources. Lala's dead, as far as (laughs) I'm (laughs) concerned. Because she died on power? Yeah, that's the last I saw (laughs) of her.
0: We'll see. I definitely think it's... He's a guy that I think a lot of people get behind. I'd love to see him put up some solid numbers. Portland is not as good as they were. Yeah. So, like, the actual fit and what we're going to see and being able to compete is going to be something curious to see.
1: I believe in him. I believe in him, I believe in Dame, I believe in CJ. That alone In if, the West? I believe in them enough to make an Ape seed.
0: Okay, play I was gonna say yeah. All right, playoffs. I'll give you that. Yeah,
1: like and honestly they shouldn't be an Ape seed. They should be higher than that, but they can definitely make that top eight.
0: Hmm. Clippers? Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, let's think about the West.
1: Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets, Jazz. Jazz, Sons too.
0: So you got the Suns in playoffs,
1: okay. The Suns probably gonna make the playoffs. So were the uh, Rockets. the Rockets. And then who were your last two teams?
0: That's a good question. Um, I I felt like Sacramento was on a roll, but I don't I think they followed. I don't them.
1: believe in them at all. Although they I love football. oh my god, I love speed. Like you wouldn't believe it looking at me. I'm a fast nigga. Like oh. <laughs> I'm fast <laughs> as hell. I love fast players, like they excite me so much. Okay. And you know, like watching Swipe of the Fox go at it with Damn my Fox. same nappy ass hairstyle. <laughs> like, I love that.
0: I love. Okay, wait. Let me think. The Maps. Mavs can get the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They Luca, could. They could. The Mav- also, KP. That. Oh my god! You just made me feel good. K P is something like all my friends call me. Oh, okay. But nobody in New York calls me that because I don't tell them to. Like it just happened one day. Like back in the day, like people start calling you things. Okay. This cool. is the first. It's so long. Like I feel at home right. Now. I don't want to ruin the
0: moment, but I definitely was talking about Kristaps Porzingis. But oh, I can call you K P too.
1: Oh shit. <laughs> Luca and I,
0: KP, and I was like, "You're getting emotional." let just let you make Kyle panic. But it's okay. fine. I'll call you KP. I'll be one of your friends. I, from be, home.
1: I forget about Porzingis. That's how good Luca is this season.
0: Luca is incredible. <laughs> he's putting up like 28, 10, and
1: nine. Yeah, he's balling, but also refusing to play defense. He's James Harden White.
0: <laughs> we did have a conversation last night on the show about his. Durability over time, because Alan Hahn, our guy, we love Alan Hahn, mm-hmm. was saying that if you look at him, he's kind of got a dad bod thing going on. And so <laughs> yeah, he is chubby. <laughs> we've got to see <laughs> the longevity that's going to come along with that. Um, All right. We, Western Conference for real.
1: Yeah. Wait a minute.
0: Can we talk about this? Let's Why about it.
1: is it that when the Mavs get a foreign player, his body looks like shit? <laughs> Dirk was built like a soccer but coach. Dirk
0: was seven, is seven feet tall. though.
1: Yeah, but also couldn't run.
0: He could shoot. Didn't need to run.
1: Didn't need to run. Didn't need to work out. Didn't need to do sit-ups. Dirk is married to a black woman, so Dirk is fine by me. Chris stops. He looks like an albino Somalian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he put on some muscle this off-season. I think a little
1: uh-huh. bit. It's got to be little. little.
0: <laughs> nah, albino Somalian. Listen, but if these people get it done, what's our boy in... Denver with the super dad bod that that was crushing. Oh, you talking about
1: Djokovic? Yeah, come on,
0: dad bods could be
1: in. Yeah, you foreign players gotta work out, man. Why? (laughs) Was Steve Nash the last fit foreign player?
0: I mean, we got Frank Deliki. Well, I mean, the white ones, black guys.
1: I don't know what it is with us. We put on muscle accidentally.
0: (laughs) Mario Hazonia's fit, kinda. I think. I don't know where he. I don't even know what team he was here last year. I don't know where he is now. I'm trying to think now. You know, Kyle, this is this is
1: these are good points. This is a,
0: <laughs> definitely something to evaluate. Um, what's this guy? Brett, does Iggy his count? Because he's in great shape.
1: Wait, put me up on this guy.
0: He went to Michigan. He's on the Knicks roster now. That's why I don't know. But he's not. I don't know if he's like true European. Like he he went to Michigan and he spent time in the states, so maybe he doesn't count. Okay, maybe. But he's in great shape. I'm trying to think of like real european guys this is
1: monica like which white guys do i got the hot
0: for? (laughs) that's hilarious uh bruce is chiming in we got Djokovic, the tennis player he's in great shape but we're sticking to basketball
1: wait wait conversation (laughs) about Novak. i mean he is in phenomenal shape i don't know you know it's weird tennis players i I don't know i don't want to ruin your podcast (laughs) Is this edited after? Absolutely. All right, is. I can say whatever that. <laughs> like, tennis players have these weird, like, porn loving <laughs> forearms. <laughs> like, their calves are huge. Their forearms are massive. And then their bodies, they just look like preteens. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, the men are like that. The women have fitness bodies all over. Like, they have the complete package every time tone shoulders, tone, whatever. The men, it's like it's only calf raises and beating off. If you're a male tennis player, it's I, so odd. I cannot deal with you. <laughs>
0: and Bruce Chimes and he wasn't talking about tennis. He was making a correction because I said the wrong name when we were talking about Joker. Oh, the Joker. The that issue. I don't know if I know his real name. Um, Bruce, what's his real name? Write, right to us. In
1: the... I always just call him that, the Joker. Joker. Yeah. I can't say his real name.
0: All right. So this is a fantastic conversation, Kyle. We appreciate you coming on the pod. Now we gotta uh, wind this thing down. Let's do it joker nuggets what is his actual name i'm looking it up i don't know his first name at all Nikolai jokic i did know that there we go i did we knew that that. we're smart we're basketball people we follow basketball um all right so here on buckets boards and blocks Mm -hmm. i gotta figure out where i want to keep oh wait 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 wait. we can't let you go without talking about your favorite comedian of all time like who's somebody that you love and then bruce wants to know your favorite celtic since that's your team oh okay so you tell me which way you want to go first
1: um uh, you you're the host. All right, let's, we can end, let's end with comedy. We'll yeah, end with what comedy. I All right, let's for.
0: rewind back to the Celtics. That's your team from NBA Live as a kid, 2K whatever you.
1: Well, called. also I grew up in St. Louis. So Which I does had, not make sense. N- what team do we have to root for? We pick Oh, okay. When you grow up with no team, you choose the team. There is no home team. That's why
0: when you said it, I was like, what? The Celtics? Like, you grew up in St. Louis. I'm, I'm thinking New Orleans, thinking Dallas, maybe. New
1: Orleans. The
0: Hornets? I mean, I don't know. You already <laughs> grew up in St. Louis. You might go Nobody was
1: rooting for Curry. no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Curry? No? Not a thing? Might as well pile on. All right. Give us your favorite Celtic. Do you, okay, wait. You are a fan of the Celtics as you remember them from your game experience, or do you get into like crack open the books, watch the thirty for 30s? the history
1: like... and all that? We're cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good on it. Okay. But I've the my favorite is the best one from my my lifetime. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. <laughs> dad bod. Ah, uh, yeah, and sharp elbows. He has those weird like. Ever seen the grandpa from Hey Arnold? Yes. Those knobby sharp <laughs> elbows.
0: <laughs> You're Boy. such a clown. Um, Paul Pierce, Dad bod, long career though.
1: And his set shot, like if you got Paul Pierce the ball in the right spot, like right around the free throw line. Mm-hmm. It's like those little corners, mm-hmm. money every time. Free throw line extended. Copy that. Um, he also played for the Wizards.
0: Do you remember that part?
1: I, I don't. <laughs> That's after he left. He called That's game. After. That's after. <laughs> that was when uh Isn't that back when uh what's on man? When Joe Johnson was crossing him up?
0: Ah
1: uh, was he on the Nets?
0: I think that was the Nets. When Joe Johnson was killing him, because with the Wizards, he was very much our leader, statesman. John Wall had a great relationship with him. He hit that game winner in the, I think it was a playoff game. He called game. There's a couple of podcasts named that. Yeah. He earned the nickname The Truth from Shaq. So a strong, strong choice, my friend.
1: Yeah. I mean, but also like Dennis Johnson, like. Okay. Fire. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to go into it, but.
0: You don't have to. What, what, it's an open space.
1: Yeah. Paul Pierce is amazing.
0: That's a good call. Yeah, it's a very strong call. I it's f- an
1: easy call. But yeah, if not, if not Paul Pierce, even though like I just always love Kevin Garnett. I'm Do you consider Kevin Garnett a real Celtic? Not really, he's a but he's a champion for okay. the Celtics, and it couldn't have been done without him. And fun fact about me: I'm distantly related to Kevin Garnett. I must, I must be like two or three cousins away from him. I don't know. I wish I had a picture of my Aunt Mona and you could see what Kevin Durant would look like as a woman. I mean Kevin Garnett. You can see what Kevin Garnett would look like as a woman. Kevin Durant's ugly woman are man. Wow. Kevin Garnett, beautiful woman.
0: Wow. Bruce says that he loved Dennis Johnson, so good call there. He also yeah. says Paul Pierce is the fourth best Celtic ever behind Russell, Hondo, Bird, and Pierce. Wait, and Pierce? Oh wait, Pierce puts him makes him he's fourth behind those
1: three guys. Okay. I yeah. mean, I don't I don't mind it though.
0: Okay. I know, Bruce, listen, this is why I love having Bruce, because he definitely brings in a little bit more sage wisdom seasoning. I mean, Bill Russell,
1: honestly, is a fair call in any conversation if you say he's the best anything. It's fair. Absolutely. You cannot argue against that.
0: All right, before we let you go, we've we've talked the basketball side of you. We've touched on the comedy side of you, but I do want to know, Stuart Scott is someone who you resonate with in terms of authenticity. Who's a comedian, or a few different comedians, that you sort of resonate with? I don't. Are you in a space where you try to emulate people or are you trying to kind of find your own voice but also like, hey, I like this guy? Uh,
1: I'm not trying to emulate anybody, but there are certain people where it's like, maybe I'll have a joke finished and I'll be like, is this up to so-and-so standard? Would How would he attack this? Would he go deeper? Would he like play more physically? So like, I think that way, almost like if you're like, all right, I can make this shot, but how would Kobe get to his spot? Like, can I get there quicker? Can I put that elbow in your chest yeah. and get away with it? So it's, it's that where I'm not trying to emulate you, but I'll try to steal from you if I can. Like, why not? Like, I'm, I watch countless interviews. And anyways, I'm. let me give you my, Who are the guys? my list. Yeah, let us know. Number one, without question and without doubt and without hesitation, the number one comedian of all time is Dave Chappelle. The greatest influence, before I even wanted to be a comedian, was influence in my life because the Chappelle's show was such a phenomenon. Like, I used to watch his show in secret. I had to sneak it. Wasn't allowed to watch like I'm Rick James, bitch. Like I was like I was like twelve. So I was like I had to sneak watch that and then go to school and it was the greatest time ever. And also seeing him live made me want to do stand up.
0: Where did you see him live?
1: In St. Louis. I, I went to uh University of Missouri, which is about two hours away, hour and a half. Drove down there watching with one of my best friends, and like while he's on stage, I just get like the sensation, like chills. I'm like, yo, I need to try this. And then, like six months later, I dropped out of college and moved away from everything.
0: Does that make you a Chappelle sexual?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I don't want to kiss him, but I guess, yeah. That's cool. <laughs>
0: um, I I know we were supposedly winding this down, but you dropped everything. You six credits away from a degree. Six. Yeah. I happen to know that your mom has Jamaican heritage. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that didn't play well.
1: Mm-mm. I didn't tell them. Well, here's the thing, so when I dropped out, I was taking my last six credits online. So I was enrolled and I was like, hey mom, dad, I don't need to be here to finish these classes, I'll just move home. Okay, and so then I went down there and when I was down there uh, not taking my classes, I was doing open mics. And the only reason I moved back to Houston from Missouri was because there was no place for me to do open mics where I was in college. And then I could, like, live with my parents for free and do these open mics. I had, like, a couple thousand saved up for my job. And that worked for how long Till they put it together? They didn't. So I so I did that for... Does your mom
0: think that you have graduated from the
1: University of Missouri? Well, they day? went to my graduation. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're enrolled, like, in that, so it's, like, the last few credits were supposed Wait, to be... were conc- you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They called my name, all that. Like, <laughs> I was... I qualify for graduation. Matter of fact, if you have a political science degree, I probably know more about it than you because I took so many poli sci classes, more than like was required. And then I also was supposed to get a sociology degree. So I was dual degrees that I just said, kiss my ass too. Hmm. So do your parents know to this day that you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what happened was I ended up saying like, oh, you know, what? I think I want to go to law school in New York. So guys, I'm going to move to New York. And this is after like three months of doing stand up. And the only reason I moved to New York is because, like, I'm getting bumped off lists. I'm doing piece of shit open mics at 1 a.m. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense when I think I'm better than everyone here. At least if I move somewhere where the talent pool is real, I'll feel less bad about it. And to this day, I don't feel less bad about it. I'm going to be honest. But <laughs> it was a great decision. And they found out, like, after I moved here, I was like, I like, on the way to the airport, I told my dad, like, so here's why I'm really moving to there and he's like what <laughs> he was very like not with the shit but then uh you know i got here and a few months later maybe like eight months nine months my dad was in town i did a show at nyu he came and saw me Smashed that show people coming up to me afterwards whatever and then he was like okay
0: oh <laughs> i have your, you have their blessing now yeah. that's dope okay dave Chappelle. all right who else you got
1: uh dave Chappelle, number one uh I'll give the local guys because the other guys aren't as great.
0: Attention, listening audience, if you're in the New York area, the local guys. Here we go.
1: But more than just local, but I mean like the guys I run with now. So Andre D. Thompson, he just—I uh, don't know if he won. He's—he's he's at least a finalist for NBC Stand Up Showcase, which is a national search. He just went out and performed for them in LA killed that he has networks agents everybody's on his back he's been doing it for like eight years dude's a beast nice Uh, my guy nico white another beast he's everywhere performs at the comedy cellar uh he's been on true tv he's done everything and he's like he's 25 but he's my og in stand-up because he's been doing it for like 12 years nice uh dean david up and comer he's fire he has a Cool podcast under the sheets where you make a pillow fort and you get in it, but also <laughs> killer, <laughs> killer podcast, killer comedian, future legend, uh, Nori Davis. I don't know. If he's been on uh, two Dope Queens. He's been on a lot of stuff. I like that show. He's he's a monster.
0: Hey, and we have this. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have this conversation too about comedians. What do you think of the Black Lady Sketch Show? I have never
1: watched it. Okay,
0: but I have not heard good things. There are some sketches that really resonate and others that I'm like, um, okay, maybe not.
1: That's what I don't like about it because I think if you're not SNL, you don't have the luxury of taking sketches off.
0: Mm.
1: SNL can do that because they're making it every week, but that seems like a pre-produced show where you make your season and then you release your season. Yeah. If you're doing it week to week, okay, it can get hard. And that's why it's really like weekend update needs to be fire and maybe like two sketches out of that hour and a half that you're watching. Weekend update is my faith. Because it's the best. It's the one thing where it's like a comedian has his voice and just puts it out there. Yeah. Everything uh, else is like, you got to be a character. You got to be this. You got to be that.
0: Comedy is hard.
1: It's not so hard. I've seen you do it. <laughs> so here's, okay, so here's our funny little story since we're doing this on YouTube.
0: <laughs> Kyle, I shared with Kyle that it's something that I wanted to explore, right? Because being in the TV business, I do think the pliability, the quick twitch mentally, being able to respond makes people more authentic. And comedians have to be able to do that, right? Like you're reacting, you're telling good stories, essentially it's all storytelling. So I shared with Kyle that I was kind of interested. And then we found out we were having a talent show at this thing we were both at. And so Kyle's like, you're doing stand-up tonight, right? And I was like, I am, am I? (laughs) And so the question though, like you said earlier, was like, when do you feel the most funniest, right? Yeah. And so I think when I'm with my homegirls making astute observations, but they're like hilarious, like that's when I'm flexing a little bit in my comedy bag, so to speak. But it's hard.
1: I can't say that. I can't agree with you. The business side of it is way hard for me.
0: But I think it's hard because you don't know your audience all the
1: time. Nah, but that's not it because it's not about the audience. I don't really care about the audience. And honestly, I might be in a minority of people when I say this, but the audience can kiss my ass every night because at this stage in my career, I'm not filming anything for television. I'm not putting comedy out, although I have plenty of time, like, built up like i have jokes and jokes and jokes that's just never been seen by the public i'm doing it so those things can be better when i actually put them out so the audience who's here tonight i thank you because i'm doing my best to get make you give me your best you know what i mean and your best is going to make me make the best version of the things i'm putting out i can't do it by myself i need the audience so in that sense i got to please you
0: okay but for okay so in all of that you're saying that the audience is just essential to the process because you got to get your reps you got the only way
1: you can't like think about how do you get strong if there's no weights on the bar right
0: no i agree with you on that but so the best comedians i'm if i'm hearing you right the best comedians don't care about their audience
1: well not don't care but it's like the audience doesn't matter as much as you matter right because any comedian should be able to walk into any audience and be like Oh, I'm here in a group of neo-Nazis. I'm about to kill this as a young black dude. Okay. Or, or get killed, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like that's the mindset you have to have is like any audience, I'm here, and because I'm here, you will laugh.
0: But is that one in this? That's what I'm saying. That's hard. Because you're literally standing there. And mind you, it was how many people was at our little thing? 25, maybe. Uh-huh. Right? Like. And I felt really confident about some of the observations that I had made. Those were things that were legitimately funny to me. Mm -hmm. But even when I get it, if it doesn't play, then there's no career, right? Or is it just a matter of
1: time? No, if it doesn't work, maybe it didn't work now. Like, I have a joke that didn't work forever, right? And then Gerard Carmichael started doing my joke. And I don't mean, like, stealing my joke. We just had a similar premise, right? And the premise is... Family Feud makes people more racist because you don't root for the other race when your race is on Family Feud. 100%. So we had a similar thought, and the way we go about dissecting it is different, but seeing him do that same joke, and I know he's going to release that ASAP, made me go back and work on my version of it because I got to release it before him. That way I can at least say, like, I've been doing this joke longer, so if you see me do this joke later on, I'm not stealing from him. Got it. It just happened. And so it's like, that now that joke he inspired me to make that joke better even though it wasn't working years ago now it hits every time
0: huh that's a good joke okay the, the the underbelly of comedy is that it can be very uncomfortable you mentioned a guy that you admire Chappelle yeah and then what a month ago we get someone that was in one of his jokes Commit suicide, which is super unfortunate. Someone
1: who was in one of his jokes. I've never heard this. You haven't heard that? No. Nah, I'm going to pull it up. Is this confirmed? I, don't want the- I need the dog tags. Kill confirmed. I'm
0: going to I'm gonna pull it up. Sorry. um, Who's this? Sorry, Ben, but I'm about to pull this up. But
1: he doesn't even name people when he does jokes. It was,
0: uh, the, the link that, like, the alert on my phone was like, Some- somebody in the transgender joke committed suicide.
1: The L's, the B's, the G's? Which one?
0: Uh, hold on. Let me see if it comes up. Oh, wait, that, All right. The, the overall point is, whether we pull this up or not, is that sometimes comedy can be very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. particularly, here it is right here. Um. Wait a minute. All right. We'll talk about this after the fact. I'm not going to get stuck here. And edit. All right. The thing about comedy is that it can be a little bit uncomfortable okay. sometimes, particularly in where we are as a society, political climate, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Like, do you have to embrace that? Like, do you, you're shaking your head. You It's don't care? not
1: uncommon. People say that from the outside looking in, like, you got to watch what you're saying. You got to, it's not that. It's really like some people are afraid to be themselves because they're worried about what other people think. But if you're not a hateful person, if you're not somebody who's disparaging people just for the sake of putting others down, then another person outside of yourself can relate to you. Right. And that's the it. whole reason, like, if you told anybody who's like on the verge of committing suicide, don't do it. And they said, "Why?" you'd be like, because there are people just like you. Right. Right. And that's the thing. Like, there are people just like me and there are people who think like me, but don't say the things that I say because of fear or whatever. Like, as reckless as I talk now, when I was a congressional intern, I talked the exact same way when I was working in the public defender's office. I worked the exact same way when I worked for 30 different law firms, the same freaking way I talk now where I'll be like, white women are evil I'll say that anywhere at any time but it's not like I hate you know what I mean because I date them I, I will talk about I pay for their babies Continue. to die <laughs> i cannot deal with that <laughs> but like just being able to be free and reckless is my responsibility as a comedian now if I'm worried about what you think then that's affecting my own personal thoughts if I thought it I believe it You know what I mean? Okay. So maybe if I thought something ridiculous where I was like, we should choke all Monica's." Wow. If I just thought that, then it's like, okay, I need some inward (laughs) reflection. Obviously something's wrong with me. Who else could relate to that thought? Nobody. I'm deranged. Mm -hmm. But I'm a sane person. I relate to people. I'm a real person. Like I'm of my community. People can relate to the things I have to say.
0: All right. I, that's a good way to put it, because you're right. Even though you might bristle at a joke sometime, there is like, well, I am. It is kind of confusing to have to deal with X, Y, Z or whatever. I, I get like that. to come
1: from a place where you disagree with my premise of my joke.
0: You do like to come. I to- love
1: that. I like to start a joke off with you disagreeing with the joke, and then give you so much logic got that you got to be like, hmm. That makes sense. Like you saw me do. I would say I did like 20 minutes of jokes for you guys you guys let me do a private stand-up session so
0: fun you're so talented Thank D- 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 you. <laughs> i did like 20
1: minutes of jokes and one of those jokes that i did was i have this math problem that's like a, a woman's worth eight dollars a good woman's worth eight dollars right what woman can agree with that what regular person can agree with that but then you'd be like oh it is a little bit rational once he gets into the real like the meaning of it is rational the logic behind it is sound so you're like oh he's just being silly Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the whole purpose, like that joke's so deep now where the purpose of the joke is value women.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, and I wish I, w- we won't because you guys got to check out Kyle when you get an opportunity. But that was because definitely when you start that joke, I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and then we go down this rabbit hole and it was a very creative, comedic way to make the point, which was a strong point. Um, what NBA player mm-hmm. do you think would be a good comedian?
1: Oh, it's Blake Griffin. He's apparently okay, a comedian now. Okay, don't use now, him because like <laughs> he's a comedian.
0: We know that. Not him.
1: But who's actually funny? Uh, Joel Embiid, probably.
0: Could do stand-up or could be, like, a funny guy in a movie?
1: He could be a funny... I mean, Shaq is already that. Yeah. Like, he could be Shaq in a movie. Making cameos, for sure. Okay, who,
0: c- who could do stand-up other than Blake? Like, just of what you know, what you kind of perceive.
1: Um... I like Andre Drummond, man. I've hung out with him. He seems like he's made me laugh in private conversations. So uh, I think if he worked at it, yeah, he's like, like he's a pretty engaging dude. He's like one of those big men who's atypical for a big man. He has like super engaging, doesn't have this crazy voice that's hard to listen to. I like him. I like. Who's uh, really funny? Westbrook is funny. Like, I can see Westbrook, he could be like a Larry David type of comedian where he's just talking about all the things that annoy him and just going in on it with full anger and contempt. <laughs> Excuse
0: me, you? not y- that. <laughs> that. was funny. I was struggling a little bit. I can see that. All right, Kyle, this is how we wrap things up on Bucket Sports and Blocks. Bruce, feel free to text in how you think we should give Kyle a category for this. Um, the Bucket, I'm, just, I'm thinking of the category as I talk this through the bucket is the a plus plus thing something that you love give me more of this the board is something that you don't love as much but it has some silver lining some redeeming qualities to okay. it. the block is get that out of here i don't want any parts of that right ooh, ooh. so bruce says that you should give me a block but i'm trying to figure out what category i want to give you like do i want to keep it within the comedy and sports kind of collision or just straight up comedy Oh the blog. Give me hmm I do want to hear your block on comedy actually like something on comedy that, something? like on whether it be somebody that's gone super mainstream that you think is terrible or whether it's a take like what do you want to see us get rid of as far as comedy?
1: I don't like people who appeal to their audiences like and in, in me saying that it's that you're saying something because you know it's what they want to hear. If you're not challenging your audience as a comedian, why are you here? Because honestly, I'm paid to be a witty philosopher, right? I give you a thing that I thought about life, and I try to get you to at least resonate with it in some way. But people who come out and they'll be like, like they'll be like, "Man, am I right? Pigs!" Like I don't, I'm not a fan of it. You gotta, there needs to be nuance and depth and complexity. That's what makes a good joke, and that's what that's what makes Chappelle like my goat, like. I don't know. I feel like there's a weak-ass block, though. Like, no, I mean, Bruce loved it.
0: He said, you're cool. He loves that. <laughs> I think he was impressed with your witty philosopher.
1: Wait, let me give you one of each, and you pick the All best right. one. <laughs> okay, your board. All right, this is the redeeming
0: quality, silver lining. At first glance, you're kind of like, eh, but then it's okay.
1: All right, my board. Uh, that would be Kanye West.
0: Please tell us Kanye more. Kanye
1: is my board. There's, the redeeming quality of him is he found Jesus. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Amen. Right? Like, that's the thing that makes you be like, all right, we should give him a chance. <laughs> like, I don't even feel bad skipping. Like, so if I was to listen to trap music all day, I'd be like, all right, skip, skip, skip. You can't skip over gospel music <laughs> when it comes up and shuffle. Like, it does something to your soul. And then also, like, the new album is Black Church. I, that's, I, I, you know, my mom's Jamaican. My dad's British, but also his family's Jamaican. So I grew up in church.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to have a little conversation here and then we'll get to your bucket. Yes. I, th- I, mm, okay. How do I feel about Kanye? I, everybody's journey is their own and I'm definitely not here to say that this is for show or antics. I think Kanye is very sincere. Mm-hmm. I also think Kanye, to your point, represents a lot of people who are searching, looking for whatever it may be. Right. Okay. For me, faith is real. That's something that angers my soul. Shout out to you, Kanye. Join, join us, whatever. Um. But I do understand some hesitancy about Kanye, but I think as a, as people, as human beings, we have to get out of this idea of someone can only be one thing, right? Yeah. Like, I can listen to your Jesus King and can't stand the fact that you would
1: put on a MAGA hat. Like, that's crazy to me. I mean, listen to this interview alone. I've said, I'll pay to kill a white woman's baby. <laughs> oh, my also, oh, my God. And also, I love church. <laughs> like, nobody <laughs> is one thing.
0: But we, like, people, and I think people have to understand that. And my mom always says you give people room to be who they are. So in the case of Kanye and your board, I'm giving Kanye room to be who he is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And now we're moving on to your bucket.
1: Okay. Which is your
0: thing that you love, A++. Give me more ooh, in comedy. Ooh. In
1: not comedy. Not Dave Chappelle, either. In comedy. Not Dave Chappelle. Give me more. Give me more opportunities for the guys you don't actually know in the mainstream.
0: How long does it take before a name becomes mainstream?
1: That, there's no like telling, especially with the internet. Okay. It could take tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no, but traditionally, here's the path. The path of the traditional pre-social media is it takes ten years to be good at stand-up comedy, in my opinion. I think it's age, right? However long you've been doing comedy, that's your comedic age and level of intricacy, right? Mm -hmm. So I am a toddler, I'm four years old, I'm almost ready to get into school with the big boys, even though I might not be on their level yet, because once I'm five, I'm in kindergarten, let's do this shit. A guy like Chappelle, he's 30 years old, he's a grown man, Chris Rock, he's 30 years old, he's a grown man, Mm -hmm. and that's why you see the difference between him and a guy who's also amazing like Dimitri Martin, but he's only been doing it for, like, 15. Right? You're a teenager. You're comparing yourself to a grown man. Got it. So right. that's like that. But there's just not a lot of opportunity if you don't have followers these days. And that's the one good thing about Snapchat is that's where my followers are. Like, I can mm-hmm. prove to you I have millions of views every week. Things work out for me. You're popping. <sighs> the show is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're popping. Well, you made this show popping, Kyle. You know you my guy. I, KP... Yeah. I, it was so <laughs> good to have you. I don't know. We'll see how much of this conversation has to get edited. But <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> I had a blast with it. Bruce seems to enjoy following along in our combo on our texts. Shout out to Ben, our editor. All right, Kyle, well thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh man, KP. Kyle it, everybody. Woo! Oh, yeah! All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. It- oh! Big thanks to our guy Kyle Pennant for coming through and rolling with me for Bucket boards, and Blocks this week. If you are in New York, or in St. Louis over the holidays, definitely check out Kyle. He's doing fantastic work on Hype School, available on Instagram and Snapchat through our friends over at Overtime, which is a company that just continues to grow. Uh, Big shout-out to our producer, Bruce Bernstein. This podcast would not be possible without him. He joined us via text message today. Shout-out to Bruce. And our extraordinary editor, Ben Wolfen, who is also our phenomenal cameraman on this episode. Please make sure you check out the rest of our Pure Hoops media shows. This week on the Mike Y. Show, it's part two of the David Stern interview with Mike. So there's part one and part two. Make sure you check out both of those. They have been phenomenal. Then we want to make sure you know about the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. That drops every Friday. And recently we've given you a bonus episode on Tuesdays. So listen into that one as well. And soon we've got some exciting new details. Catch and Shoot 2.0 will be relaunching soon. So make sure you listen into our other podcasts. We'll keep you up to date on that one. That is going to do it. Of course, on Thursdays, buckets boards and blocks with yours truly we appreciate all of our listeners make sure you rate review subscribe comment engage with us and until next podcast y'all enjoy your hoops buckets boards and blocks with monica mcnutt has been a presentation of pure hoops media